VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Swung, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 yes. Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. A 25 lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Armchair Media and our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.ag is your home for all of the most fun and profitable gambling lines on the online market. Whether your game be mixed martial arts, soccer, NBA, NHL, NFL, or college football, or hey, maybe you fancy yourself a little bit of a baseball aficionado, BetOnline has lines for all of you to make sure that you can play the games you want to play and come away looking extremely smart. Just go to BetOnline.ag today and tell them the Platinum Sombrero sent you. All right, Doc, so... Before we get into the meat of this episode, uh, I do think we should probably explain why we didn't talk about the 29-9 to game that the Braves had last week. It did not manage to make the cut onto our show. Um, I know the reason why I didn't think to bring it up, but uh, what about you? Well, the main reason I didn't think to bring it up is because it hadn't happened yet. We, uh, in classic Platinum Sombrero fashion, we finished recording that episode at about 6.45 that Wednesday, and then you could gradually feel the relevance of that episode starting to drift away with every subsequent home run that happened. So uh, we do know about it, we, yeah, but we're, we're not going to go back over it now. But it sure was fun, wasn't it? I loved it. I mean, it was so much fun to watch. I couldn't, I couldn't look away. It was just one of those, like, I, I just want to see what happens here. And uh, it was a wide range of emotions in that game because uh, I believe, was that uh, Tommy Malone? who got spotted a uh, 10-run lead in consecutive outings. I believe he's the only pitcher ever to, to have that happen and not qualify for the win. It's only happened twice in Major League history, and it was Tommy Malone both times, I believe. Um, <laughs> not exactly a record that you want to have, but uh, for the Braves, it was really fun to see everybody just mashing like that. and It was, it was good to see, especially after Sixto had worked over the lineup. But yeah, um, as, as generally tends to be the case, if we try to be professional and record a little bit early... Things like that tend to happen, so um, that would be why it did not make the Platinum Sombrero episode. I probably wouldn't have talked about it anyway, because, I mean, there's not much to glean from it other than awesome, we dominated and put up 30 runs, which, you know, very cool, but uh, not something that you can be like, oh, well, this was expected. It's just kind of one of those things. 
Well, sure, but but I remember saying that the offense had looked unfocused and listless, and I hope that Ozzy was a shot in the arm, and so I'm putting myself. And he in was the, so. Oh, he definitely, he definitely was. Definitely called that. I'm just picturing somebody listening to it on Monday, going, uh, "Yeah, guys, I, I think that he was the shot in the arm that the team needed." So, so that was one of our house clearing items for this week, and the second is. Bruce Zimmerman, former Braves prospect, current Orioles Very first, prospect. by the way. By the way, first prospect we ever interviewed. That is true. Bruce Zimmerman, friend of the program, will be making his Major League debut tonight. So that makes two different Platinum Sobrero alumni that have uh, made their Major League debuts this season. Other one being uh, Patrick Weigel. So uh, congrats to Patrick again, and congrats to Bruce. Wishing the best of luck since the Braves are not playing the Orioles anymore. Right, right. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it doesn't turn out from the way it did for Patrick, and we can get a a good role with this TPS guests making it to the big leagues. But really excited, really happy for Bruce. I'm a uh, should be good for the Orioles. Who who we saw Keegan Aiken firsthand last night for whatever weird reason turned into Sandy Koufax against us. Um, they've they've got some fun young arms. Now they're not all they're not a very talented team. Um, offensively, they got some bangers. They've got some guys like Ryan Mountcastle. They got guys like Hanser Alberto. Uh, Pitching-wise, Dean Kramer's been good to this point, but they haven't really had that guy to come up and, and be somebody that they can hang a rotation on. So uh, for Baltimore, it's it's kind of interesting looking at them. And you would see them now, and you're like, ah, oh, they're not a good team. But you just picture from what they were last year and the season before, and you can see major improvements. And it's outside looking in, it's kind of fun to see. No, absolutely, and I think that once you start looking at the <clears throat> at their very near future with uh, guys like Adley Rushman that they've got down in the farm system, uh, Baltimore's about to get much better. But, you know, we, we kind of talked about last week, they're, it's easy to look at them based on their 2019 coming into the season and say, just see that on the schedule and say, oh, that's going to be, that's a slam dunk, that's a sweep right there. I mean, Baltimore is a is a good enough team to where you can't just brush them off. They, they should be taken seriously, as, as we now know. The Braves only put up, uh, was it five runs the entire series? Six runs? I mean, it wasn't very much. They're pitching. I mean, Keegan Aiken, it looked amazing. He's not that level of prospect. I mean, he just carved this entire lineup up. So now there's a little bit more work to be done. And meanwhile, the Marlins were losing to the Red Sox. So we were both of the, the first and second place team in the National League East were falling victim to the fourth and fifth place teams in the American League East. So sometimes that's just the way things fall. Yeah, and for the Braves, I'm I'm still not worried about Miami. Uh, this is going to be a big series against them coming up to finish out the season, I believe. There's a lot of people thinking that that's going to have the division on the line. I really don't expect it. I think the Braves will win the division fairly easily. Um, ultimately, Miami has some really fun pieces, and they're a fun team. Um, they're they're not really that type of lineup yet. You know, you've got Starling Marte that you got to go through, and Brian Anderson's had an okay season. But they're not, they're not a lineup that should scare anybody, really. I mean, young guys can get hot on, in, in a hurry, but uh, for the Braves, I think the, the bigger concern is not Miami. It is how do we get Ronald Acuna out of this funk? Ever since he fouled the ball off of his ankle, it's like he's a completely different guy. I mean, he just... You you alluded to this when we were, we were pre-gaming the show before we started recording, just even... You know, it's natural to assume that after he fouled the ball off of his ankle that he'd be a little gun-shy, but it's his eye. Like, he just, he doesn't look like the same guy at all. No, and he's striking out in nearly every at-bat. It's, 
I don't know that I've ever seen a player of his caliber striking out this much in like a 18 at bat span. Was I think he's got 13 strikeouts in his last 18 at bats or 13 out of his last 20 or something like that. Now he's still taking his walks, but he just looks to be a step slow as far as committing to the swing and it's making him be in between fastballs and breaking balls when he does swing and he's not he's not seeing the inside corner well at all right now for him. This is about as bad a slump as we've seen from him since that brief moment uh last year before what was it before the Boston series yeah going into was it going into September something like that regardless just not what we're used to seeing from Ronald Acuña now I'm not overly worried I mean he's a he's supremely talented he'll figure it out eventually um if you're going to struggle I'd prefer you do it right now and then get right before the playoffs um, I wouldn't mind giving him a rest day. I know they're off today. I wouldn't mind giving me a day off again tomorrow. We don't face Jacob DeGrom when we play the Mets this series, so uh, I wouldn't mind giving him a, a day or two to try to get the mind right, too, and kind of let him kind of mentally reset. And he's not the only guy in, in the offense that's struggling right now. Dansby, Dansby's hitting the ball hard. He's just kind of having some bad luck. Similar thing with Riley. He's had a, a couple scorchers that have been, that have been uh, snagged. Uh, Darno, his approach has not really been great recently either. But as it stands now, it's September seventeenth, so you got ten-ish <clears throat> days until the season is over, and then the playoffs start on the 29th. It is, like you said, it's much more preferable to go ahead and have your slump now. You that gives you two weeks to get it figured out, to to you know struggle with pitches on the inside corner or weak contact or whatever go ahead and get it out of your system now because when the playoffs come rolling around which i can't believe it's only 2 weeks from now then you got to be you got to be on your best behavior absolutely and and for the Braves i know we've we've talked a lot about what does 2020 actually mean but i said this i, I was on locked on mlb um the other day i recorded it yesterday i think it's for today's show but one of the things i was mentioning talking about the playoffs is for the Braves it's very important just to get out of the first round, to break that curse, that 19-year slump of not being able to to get past the first round in the playoffs. And so I, I know after last year that that taste is, is left in their mouths. And, and Braves fans, we, we feel like they are cursed, and I'm not going to blame – I'm not going to blame anybody because I do think that it's certainly in the minds of the team uh, that they've just never been able to get out of that first round. And you do worry the starting rotation – has been kind of shaky all year. Now, Ian Anderson has been amazing. Max Reed is coming back tomorrow or today, as you guys are listening. Um, we saw Cole Hamels uh, get his first opportunity on Wednesday night and, and got to see that a little bit. Hopefully he should be up and about ready to go about 85, 90 pitches by the time the, the first round rolls around. So you feel a little bit better about that. But when you're talking about the new rules for the playoff series as far as there not being a day off in between the games for the first and second round uh, – that doesn't help the other teams, but I think it really hurts the Braves because you can't start any of these guys on short rest if you've got five consecutive days. You know, and maybe maybe you could look at a series where let's say that they make it to make it to a five game series, and you know you know you're going to run out Freed and Anderson and Hamels. Based on what we saw on Tuesday, I would be very comfortable sending out Waskari Noah, but that's just based on that start because he's been very up and down. Same thing with Kyle Wright; he looked good in his last start, didn't look elite, and I don't know if I would feel really comfortable giving him a playoff start yet, so, and Ian Anderson has pitched, what, four games? (laughs) You know what I mean? So (laughs) there's a whole lot of uncertainty in this rotation. Now, 
one th- advantage that the Braves have is that their offense, when everything is clicking, is that they are so good, they can pretty much beat anybody. I'm kind of, I don't want to say disappointed, but I'll, I'll use that word and then kind of explain my way out of it. I'm disappointed that the Braves don't face DeGrom this weekend, not because, I mean, we all love watching DeGrom pitch, regardless of the fact that he is carving up the Braves. He's just fun to watch. But at the same time, when you were getting ready to go into the playoffs, if the play, if they started today, the Braves would face the Reds. And the Reds' offense has underwhelmed, partially because they've had some really bad luck on balls in play. But their top three is Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray. You've got to be ready. I mean, that's like three aces, basically. Just kind of throwing the term around, I understand that there there's some nuance in that term. But you understand what I mean. Bauer, definitely an ace. Castillo and Gray are on the fringes of that. So the Braves' offense is good enough to beat those guys if they're on. So... We talked about 13-10 games and these big slugfests, 29-9 games, and stuff like that, where your pitching is bad, but as long as your offense is better, then you can still win. So the Braves' offense is good enough to overpower anybody, but especially if you're in a longer series, other teams might have more pitching depth. But in order to do that, unless you're an elite team like the Dodgers, if you're running out your fourth starter in a playoff series, you normally don't do that. You just truncate it to where you're just running out your best three, much like the Nationals did last year with Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin. If the Braves have the chance to face a legitimate number five starter in the playoffs or or somebody's best reliever to to start something in the in the way of a bullpen game, that really does benefit them because they have shown they can just put up a whole lot of runs. The question is, which version of Waskar Inoa will you get? Which version of Ian Anderson will you get? Which Kyle Wright's going to show up? So it certainly appears on its face that this could backfire on the Braves big time. And to me, it's just weird that nobody knew about this before the trade deadline. That's not in defense of what the Braves did or didn't do. But, I mean, that's teams all around the league that might have thought, we have enough to get through it for this year. But they didn't realize that there, weren't gonna, there wasn't going to be any opportunity for days off. So that's a little... Little sideways to me. Now you you just mentioned Wasker Anoa twice in passing there, and uh, I do want to give the young man some love because he looked amazing. Uh, I'm really upset that he only managed that he could only make it through four innings. That we got a little bit shortened due to injury, uh, which apparently wasn't that bad. They didn't feel that it was bad enough to keep Jaseel De La Cruz on the main roster, sent him back down. But for Wasker Anoa, you want to talk about a start that was very much needed to kind of shut up a large portion of the fan base that's been for whatever weird reason Wasker Anoa doesn't get like Kyle Wright and Tuki Tucson get hated on a lot but there's a lot of people that recognize them as being very talented young men for whatever reason Wasker doesn't get that same love despite the fact that he's younger than both of them uh, and despite the fact that he's done very well more consistently than the two of them at the big league level and for him to come out there and from the get-go, because starting for him has been difficult this season. If you look at his numbers as a starter and his numbers for a, as a reliever, they are drastically different. Um, for him to go out there, and again, it's Baltimore, but they did have some good hitters in that lineup. For him to go out there and look the way that he looked was a huge thing, especially for guys like you and me who are really big Wasker Anoa guys. Um, to see him add the command with that type of stuff, we already knew his stuff was elite. But for him to have command, and it's just for that one outing, but if that's something he's able to build on, that guy could be a steal that you got him for Jaime Garcia. Two months of Jaime Garcia you got him for. And yeah, the other night was the first time I've seen him hit 98 in a major league game. But so if he's got premium velocity and that slider was working, I mean, that thing was just snapping off. That was, that was the best 
prospect performance. Like Ian Anderson is obviously the best prospect who has pitched this year, but Anoa he posted is... an 81 game score, but Wasker Anoa in four innings posted a 66 game uh, game score too, which is uh, really really high level stuff. That that's the highest non Ian Anderson, Mike Soroka, and Max Fried outing of, of the Braves this season. Um, Tukey's might have been a little bit higher than that, though. His Toronto start, I'd have to look at that. But looked fantastic. The 98, we saw actually last year uh, in relief, he hit 100 in a game last year when he was uh, he was only throwing one inning. I believe it was that 15-to-1 outing that he got his debut in. Oh, he yeah. hit 100 in like his first or second pitch. But that was the most consistent he's had that 98. And if you thought it was weird, because earlier in his starts and his outings, he was sitting 93, maybe dialing up to 95, he was throwing his two-seam then. Last night, it looked like he ditched the two-seam and went with the four-seam, which is what he was throwing last year uh, when, he, when he was up on the big league roster, and pairing that with his slider and, and dropping in the changeup occasionally as well. And for Wasker, I think that might be a better idea. He has a ton of movement on his two-seam, but it's almost too much movement for him to control it consistently. And for him, because his slider is so good, and his slider has a lot of vertical drop as well as horizontal um, it, it can work for him having a flatter four seam if he's able to change eye levels with it. And that's one of the things that I thought he did very well last night, located very well in the outside corner, particularly to left-handed hitters, which I thought was really, really important and allowed that slider to play up. Uh, really, really good to see from him. It's another reason why I, I just won't give up on Waskar as a starter. Um, this is a guy that if he hadn't had to be put on the 40 to protect him from the Rule 5, he probably still wouldn't be up yet. Uh, he might have come up at some point this year, but this year would have probably been his debut rather than seeing him a little bit last year as well. Um, but but really fun to see from him. He's a really excitable guy. You can tell he uh, he, he pitches with a lot of fire. and You, you can see that he, he has a, a very nice swag factor out there on the mound. And he just does not back down. You know, Tukey, Tukey nibbles too much and Wright gets timid and Newcomb got timid and it's like, man... If I throw a strike, they're gonna hit it, and Ino was like, "I dare you to hit this," and he will stare at somebody into somebody's soul while he's daring someone to hit it. You know what I mean? And Wright has been, you know, Anderson's been one or he's been top three prospect in the system for years. Wright has been top five. Tukey was a little bit farther down, and Anoa was a little bit farther down than I mean, say he's like 10, 11 in the system. Well. Prospect rankings are pretty arbitrary. Now, you can make a case why, why Ian Anderson was obviously the best of all of the different prospects. But once you start getting into kind of that middle tier when you're looking at Tucker Davidson and Kyle Muller and Waskari Noah and friend of the program Patrick Weigel, they're all kind of clustered in there together. Any different list could rank these guys differently depending on what you prioritize. And Anoa is the youngest out of all of them, which part, of, which is part of what makes this so impressive to me is that he's only 22. He made his debut at 20, which also tells me that the team just loves him. They love what they're seeing out of him because they keep they keep coming back to him. You know, they brought brought Newcomb back and immediately send him back down. They brought up Jaciel De La Cruz. They sent him back down. They did it with Wes Parsons last year. They did it with Patrick Weigel uh, last year, and I think they had done it to him this year as well. With Anoa, when he's up, he's getting in games every single time. Snitger seems very, very pleased with what he's seeing out of him. So, And like you said, four innings against a team that is still, they're getting better, but they are still rebuilding. So you just, you want to see more from that, but I would, if he hadn't gotten hurt, I think he could have made it through the sixth inning the other night, which you don't see a lot out of a lot, <clears throat> out of Braves prospects a lot these days. And he didn't walk anybody. He's just going after him. That's 
love that. So can you trust that in the playoffs? Or do you try and have your longer guys, Freed, Anderson, hopefully Hamels, hopefully he's going to build up and he'll be able to do five, six innings at a time. And then you have Waskir Noah, Josh Tomlin, Tyler Matzik. You have multiple guys that can give you two, three innings at a time. So you, you are able to do a bullpen game and not have it be just everybody's doing one. Do you feel comfortable doing something like that, or where are you? That's a weird question because from if Waskar is on, then absolutely. But the issue with Waskar and, and is like the no walks, I thought was the, the biggest part of that night because it allowed him to pitch efficiently, which is something he hasn't been able to do uh, for the most part through his big league career and through most of his minor league career. He hasn't really been a super efficient guy. Uh, so hopefully that was more. I also noticed, and I meant to bring this up a second ago, but one of the things that I noticed that was different in his start, uh, one of the things that's very encouraging for me it was, is it was a lot like when Max Freed went back to the bullpen and then came back to the rotation. Just the difference in the way that he went about attacking the hitters. I saw a lot of that in Wasker as well, where he didn't try to hold back, where he, he just started just throwing his normal stuff instead of saying I got to dial it back to make sure I can have some gas in the fifth and sixth inning he took it inning by inning instead and, and I think that that I think his, his time as a reliever and particularly I think it's very similar to what Max had where you're, you're able to take that attacking mentality that you have as a reliever and apply it to yourself as a starter and I think that was one of the big reasons for such a good outing for him as far as do I think that he's going to get any significant run in the playoffs I don't um, I think he's certainly talented enough I think this year though He's not consistent enough in his command to do that. I feel the same way about Kyle Wright. Now, if you're asking me if I would prefer Anoa or Kyle Wright, I prefer Anoa to Kyle Wright because uh, Anoa has shown that he's got Anoa's stuff has just been better this year than Kyle Wright's. And, and you know, you can point me to the ERAs and you can point me to things of that nature. But I've watched every start from both of them. I've watched every time they've been in the game, and Anoa's stuff is is better than Kyle Wright's right now. Now, Kyle's doing much better with his command. Which, if you need somebody to go five, six innings, then yeah, I'm going to take Kyle Wright. But if you're talking about setting up for a bullpen game, uh, I would take a Noah over Wright at this point. I think I would too, and and I was encouraged by what we saw out of Wright the other day. Uh, sure. He had, that, he had by the way, horrendous, that's, horrendous yeah. luck. That's not to say that Kyle has been pitching badly. These last two starts of his, they haven't been great starts. But for him, they've been very good, and they've been very nice bounce backs, uh, especially because he's not walking people, so he's able to limit the damage. He's, he's shown a proclivity for the home run ball, but again, if you're not walking everybody in front of them, then, then that's okay. I can get over that. Um, I think the only thing that we know for certain is that Tuki Toussaint will not be getting high leverage innings in the postseason. You hate to see it, man, but it the the writing's kind of on the wall for Tukey right now. And they they have given him a lot of opportunities. And I I defended Kyle Wright last week or the week before saying he only had forty four career innings. It's too early to give up on him. And Tukey only has ninety five. It seems it seems like these guys have been around forever. And the biggest thing for Tukey right now is just the walks. You know, in two thousand eighteen, that was the year that he made his debut and his walk rate was around three per nine, which I mean that's that's perfectly that's playable. Fine. That's that's fantastic. It's probably the high. That's probably the best of his career, though, in across all of the minor leagues. Yeah, I mean, he was his mechanics were were definitely dialed in that year, and you know, last year he worked much more out of the bullpen, but he was averaging closer to six walks per nine. This year he's doing six per nine. He's still striking guys out, but he's given up so many home runs and he's walking so many guys, and it's just 
we all want him to succeed because we all see, you know, he he fits the fabric of this team. He really does. But at a certain point, you know, Soroka's going to be back and then Tucker Davidson will eventually get his shot and Anoa might have, have carved out a rotation spot for himself. So moving forward, I think that they're going to probably try and go back to the Tukey as a reliever thing. I uh, think I think that's his best role. And I, yeah. I've said this before, and you and I have talked about it a lot. I think Tukey is Rysel Iglesias. Don't forget, Rysel Iglesias was a starter when he came up as well and almost the exact same issues. Um, has that big, huge sweeping slider, has a good fastball on top of it. The changeup for Rysel is not that strong, or at least it wasn't then, and it didn't allow him to be a starter. He moved to the back end, started dominating, and I think it's similar to Tukey. When you can just tell Tukey that he only has to worry about fastball and changeup, or fastball and curveball, if his fastball's not on, he can ditch the fastball for the changeup or the slider or one of the other pitches. But one of the other things is, is it's not just the walks with Tukey. Tukey's been getting hit hard. Like Even the pitches that he's making that are in the zone, strikes, he's getting hit really, really hard this year. I mean, he, he's not fooling anybody anymore. Last year, he was fooling everybody with that curveball. Even to start this year, he was kind of fooling a lot of people with that curveball. He's not fooling anybody with it anymore. They know what to expect. They've seen it on tape enough. A lot of these guys have faced him coming up through the minors now. They're starting to sit on that curve because they know he can't locate his fastball. And for, for Tukey, until he gets better command of that fastball, he's just not going to be playable in a big-time situation. And I feel bad for him because Tukey's a fantastic young man. Uh, he's got all the arm talent in the world. It's just this is the thing when the Braves got him. There's a reason why the the Diamondbacks were willing to give him up for Phil Gosselin. I mean, it's Tukey's a guy that has always been probably the riskiest prospect, pitching prospect in the system as far as the difference between his floor and his ceiling. I mean, there, there's a very large area of variance with Tukey Toussaint. And it's not to say that he can't figure out. It's just one of those where I, I certainly don't think he's going to have the opportunity here without a lot of other people failing. I think he's in that Newcomb tier to them now. I do think they like Tukey better as a reliever than Newcomb. Um, I think Tukey's... I think Tukey has a better shot at being a more valuable reliever than Sean Newcomb, but um, for for right now, this season, I think Tukey's been nuked, and he, he's he's going to be as a, a about as low leverage as possible. I, I hope... Let me put it this way. Um, Tukey's outing was bad, but it's not just Tukey as well. Luke Jackson should probably be in the same area as Tukey Tucson at the moment, so I don't want to just hammer Tukey, because it obviously hasn't just been him, but, but for him... This has been a major step back from what everybody was expecting this year. And part of it is that he got thrust into action just because of the the sheer volume of injuries and ineffectiveness. I mean, in a, in a classic year, Tukey would be working strictly out of the bullpen instead of trying to, to kind of cut it as a starter. But uh, but for now, based on the way that things have fallen, that's just kind of that's just kind of where he wound up. So we'll see what they do for him for 2021. The time to for hand wringing and, and all that is probably done. There, there's just a new wave that's coming on the tail end of that. And and if Tukey's got some of that Rysel Iglesias in him, Iglesias is very effective. He's been he's pitched well for uh, for a Cincinnati team that has needed to be that for years. I mean, and they're just now good. So um, Tukey's got a role. They just have to figure out exactly what it is. And it's not like he'd be the first failed starter that turned into an elite reliever. But before we go any farther, there's another member of this team that we definitely want to dig into some numbers for. But before we do, just a reminder that we are brought to you by betonline.ag and the fine folks at Armchair Media. Like Dylan said at the outset of the show, uh, college and pro football both started back this past week. 
I don't care, but you might, and that makes me happy. You should go to betonline.ag, throw some bones down on your national champion or Super Bowl winner. Also, Major League Baseball just announced some new rules coming down the pipeline, which we touched on already for this postseason that might change who you think the favorites are who are going to win the World Series. Go to betonline.ag, put a wager that might help you pad your pockets. We are also brought to you by Edgar Allan Potpourri, Quoth the Raven, This Room Smells Fantastic, and Manscaped. There's a number of different weather-related events that are brewing in the Atlantic Ocean right now. It's going to about to pepper the East Coast and the Gulf with a lot of rain, and naturally cool temperatures off a little bit. It's going to start to feel like fall because... Well, because it almost is. Your natural inclination might be to let your body body insulate itself and start growing your own winter coat, but they make actual winter coats for that. But if you decide to turn your body into one big beard, Manscaped can help you strike the, strike the balance. Feel free to grow your body hair like a field of weeds and tailor it to whatever style or shape you like. It doesn't have to be short, necessarily, but it should be clean. You can lose, use the man's... <clears throat> Excuse me. You can use Manscaped's Lawn Mower 3.0 to lop over the, the overgrown sections of your human grass, or you can treat the shears 2.0 like a weed eater. Whichever method you choose, your groin is going to look better any way you slice it or trim it. You've heard me say this next part a thousand times. You probably got it memor- memorized, so go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code armchair for 20% print. <clears throat> Cannot talk. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code armchair for 20% off your order and free shipping. I know at least a few of you have used that code already because they told us. Uh, Once again, manscaped.com, promo code armchair, 20% off and free shipping. Your balls will thank you, but not out loud. Please, can we go back to something that I can just talk and not read? (laughs) Absolutely. Why don't uh, don't we point to uh, something very, very good for the Braves this year, and that's Freddie Freeman, who... Braves country, uh, Braves country has kind of been on the Freddie Freeman for MVP train for a number of years. Uh, I haven't been on board with him as an MVP normally because aside from last year and into this year, he's typically been a little bit more of a complimentary piece. I was talking about this as well yesterday where um, for Freddie, we think about, we look at him and wonder if he's going to be a Hall of Famer and, and right now that the numbers are, are pretty close. He's kind of on that outside looking in, kind of in that Hall of Very Good at the moment. But it, it's kind of been... Such a, a huge shift for him offensively. He went from a guy that was kind of a, a not a very powerful first baseman, more of a James Loney type who would kind of hit about 21 to 22 homers, but pepper the uh, the left center field gap and hit a bunch of doubles. And then a year or two ago, just all of a sudden came out and started really focusing and mashing. And in this season, it has all culminated to not only is he mashing home runs at a, a great rate, although he's kind of slowed down a little bit this season, but he, he's scorching everything. He's hitting the ball incredibly hard. We know how he plays at first base. His defense overall is overrated, but his ability to scoop and pick at first base is underrated. Um, overall, offensively, he, he's number one or number two in, in every important category there is and really doesn't get the love that that he, his numbers should indicate that he does. And I don't know if that's because Freddie kind of seems like an under-the-radar guy because Acuna is on the same team as him, or if it's just because he's a member of the Braves and the Braves, while good, have kind of shown over the past 20 years that they're not really a, a playoff type of team. Like, once you get to the playoffs, they're not a team that's going to contend, and so you get a little bit less attention. But what Freddie Freeman has done this year has been nothing short of spectacular. As it stands right now, his slash line, his batting average is 352, on base is 465, slugging 648. He has a career high in walk rate. He's walking 16.6% of the time. And he's also cut his strikeout rate to he's only striking out 12.9% of the time, also a career low. 
uh, at pretty much every single category for him. He is uh, not just leading the league, but he's setting career highs, uh, leading in batting average, RBI, doubles, second in hits, runs, on-base slugging. Uh, as of yesterday, he, by a matter of percentage points, he pulled ahead of Fernando Tatis Jr. for the Padres in um, wins above replacement. So usually... Like, I think that your term complimentary piece is perfect for him because he's always seemed like a really good supporting player, but not somebody who is going to be able to lead a team. But this year, he is just, this is a guy that had COVID. This is a guy that was begging God not to kill him like two months ago. And he has stepped up and, I mean, just what he's doing is unbelievable. And this might be, and I know that voters don't don't really look at it like this. It's not like... Like, he's nominated for an Academy Award, and it's like, look, this dude's 88. Just give him the award. This is his last shot. You know, this this is his best shot for sure. And, I mean, somebody who's... If you, you've you got an OPS of, like, 1,100 that's an, on a first-place team, that's an MVP. And this won't impact whether or not he wins the award, but you would mention his Hall of Fame case. He he is tracking towards the Hall of Very Good. He might be like a Veterans Committee guy. You look at somebody like Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy posted 44 war in his career. Well, Freddie's at 37 and a half. And Murphy was an outfielder. And you need more than that. But he, he was still on the fringes. He was one of the best players of his day. Freddie being a first baseman, it's going to be a little bit different for him. A lot of the, the war that he has posted has been offensive base because as a first baseman, they tend to get dinged a little bit. Not to mention, for years, you know, he was in the same tier as like Anthony Rizzo and Joey Votto. He wasn't getting the recognition as being the best first baseman. He is the best first baseman, but in order to get into the Hall of Fame, he needs to keep playing like he is right now for like three or four more years, pad the stats, and he needs awards. He needs an MVP. He needs a World Series title if he's ever going to have a real shot. But honestly, Tatis is really struggling in September. His August was eye-popping, and he he really put himself on the map. Everybody could see last year that he was he was turning into something special, and, and this year he took that step forward. Well, unbeknownst to a lot of the league, Freddie Freeman has been special for years and years and years, and he's he's good for a four-war season, like even in one of his worst years. And so, over broken out through the course of an entire year, he's tracking towards like an 11-war season. And to me, when you're looking at individual contributions of value to a team, the Padres have Manny Machado, they have Will Myers, they have Trent Grisham. Their offense is insane this year. So if you take Tatis away, the Padres are going to be in pretty much the exact same spot. You take Freddie Freeman off the Braves, this is a third-place team right now. And so if you're talking about the concept of value, you don't have a more valuable player to his team than Freddie Freeman. Not to me. No, and I'm, I'm not even going to make his case by trying to talk down on Tatis's case. I think Tatis... Oh I think, no, and, and I, think, I, I apologize for having. Yeah, I mean, for I think Fernando would be a fantastic MVP candidate as well. I think there's a few players this year that have made really strong cases for MVP. I just think Freddie has played better than all of them when you consider what the award is generally revolved around. It's not revol- It doesn't revolve around defense. I know there's a lot of people that that wish it did. Um, it, it revolves around offense, and right now you'd be hard-pressed to find four or five better hitters in Major League Baseball than Freddie Freeman. Statistically, you're not going to find any that are better than Freddie Freeman. Uh, he, he, he's mashing everybody. He's hitting lefties really well this year. Uh, he's not just relying on power. He's able to do a whole lot of things. He's doing a batting second. He's doing a batting third. He's been 
stable in the lineup essentially all year. He had a really bad first couple of weeks, but since that bad first couple of weeks, he's been really, really consistent all season long, and he's been consistent and consistently amazing, which has been the other thing. He's he's taken this this jump that he had from the last couple of seasons, and he's sustained it over the course of a full season. Now, granted, it's only a 60-game season, but everybody's getting judged on a 60-game season. So for, for, for me, if I had a vote, which I don't because I haven't held uh, – I'm not a member of the IBWAA because I haven't held a uh, – or the BBWAA because I haven't held a, a writing gig for 10 years or whatever. Um, there, there's not – even if you're not going to vote him number one – you have no excuse not to have Freddie Freeman in your top three of your MVP. I mean, there, there's if he doesn't get any first place votes, then the award the the award already doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. It doesn't always reward the the most talented individual. Otherwise, last year's NL MVP would have been Jacob Degrom. Uh, but it is very important for guys like Freddie, who, as you mentioned, because you play first base, you don't get the war bump that you get if you're a center fielder or if you're a right fielder or a shortstop. You don't get that war bump. You have to, you have to do it completely offensively. And and for Freddie, I just I just want him to to get some of the love that that he hasn't gotten over the course of his career because this season it's been quiet, but it's been quietly incredible. And you're starting to see a little bit of hype. You're starting to see a little bit of steam start to gather. And Richard Justice uh, just came out with an article that said, Freddie Freeman should be MVP. You heard it here first. Well, from the national guys, maybe. We we down in the Southeast have been banging the drum for Freddie Freeman to get his recognition for years. And I don't think that he, he gets shunned because he plays for the Braves or anything like that. He, he just, he doesn't have that loud, boisterous personality. He's just kind of got this, oh, shucks, did I just hit 300 again type attitude. And he just, we just love him. He's been the face of our franchise even throughout bad times. And once again, they don't vote for MVP because you went through a rebuild and held your head high or anything. But I mean, it would be really nice to see him finally get some type of recognition because he never, he does he does kind of get lost in the shuffle for, for whatever reason. So we'll find out as soon as the playoffs are done, but the voting will be done as soon as the regular season concludes. So as long as he doesn't implode over the next two two weeks, if he can keep this up, he's got a real shot to win. And you should go to betonline.ag and put your money on Freddie Freeman to win. MVP. Absolutely. Now, we're going to make our last point before we end the show for this week since we're riding high on a good note. So you mentioned a little bit ago about talking about the Red, the Braves would be taking on the Reds if the playoffs started right now. And you mentioned that uh, that threesome of Bauer, Castillo, and Gray. Now you said that Bauer was the ace. Uh, I actually kind of disagree. I think Castillo's a better pitcher. I think Bauer's had an amazing season. But I, I, think, Cast- I think Luis Castillo is the better pitcher. And he's the guy that would worry me more. Um, I know, I know how good Bauer has been this year. I've just, I've never been about Trevor Bauer as much as everybody else in Braves country has. It's not that I think that he's bad. Um, I just, for whatever reason, I don't have him in the same tier that a lot of people do. I think he's, uh, I think he's a guy that certainly has talent, but there's no doubt that this season alone, having to face Bauer, Castillo and gray, that's going to be probably the toughest three man rotation that you see in the national league. I, I, with the Nationals not going to be in it, so there's no there's no Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin. The Mets aren't going to be in it, but really Jacob Degrom's all they got right now anyway. The Dodgers have you know Bueller who hasn't been good this year, Kershaw who's been amazing, but really nobody else behind him. Kenta Maeda has been really good for the Twins, but you know it hasn't been a, a great season for Jose Barrios. I mean, that's probably the best one two three tandem in the playoffs at all this this season. Uh, 
and the Reds are one of these teams that the numbers haven't always borne it out, but they've got a really dangerous offense. It can be streaky, but Eugenio Suarez, the guy who was awful all season long, once he finally got going, and his his season's going to look a lot like Ozzy's, where you're just going to kind of look at his line and be like, "Wow, what happened?" But he's starting to to mash the ball more. Mike Mustakas is has been, you know, at least able to provide the power. Uh, they they've got pieces there that would make that a little bit of a dangerous lineup. But it's certainly not a team that I think the Braves should struggle with because again, they're a team that their their bullpen is just not good. And for the Braves, you've got an offense that can keep you in games. Provided you can score on any on those three guys, but you've got an offense that can that can make five run games look like two run deficits. I mean, you've got the offense to to go everywhere, and you've got the bullpen to be able to stack up late. the The whole issue is, can you get that starting rotation to get you into the fifth or the sixth inning in a winnable game? That way, your bullpen can lock it down and let your offense go to work. I. I told you this last year, and I told all you guys this last year, I'm not going to pick the Braves to win an opening series until they do. Um, I'm, I'm tired of having my hopes dashed that way, but if you're asking me, should they win it, then I will tell you, yes. I was actually hoping that it would be the Cardinals that we play, uh, because I, I just want to take the soul away from the Cardinals, because I hate them, and I hate their fan base, and I hate their team, and I hate everything about them. Uh, and last year was a fluke for them, and they had no business winning that series. If the Braves hadn't given away the series, they wouldn't have moved on. So, yes, I would love to destroy Yadier Molina and Jack Flaherty, who I'm not going to forget the way he acted, and all of them, and Mike Schilt. If I could, I'd have a pitcher throw at Mike Schilt. Uh, I'm hoping that we play the Cardinals and we get a chance to avenge last season. If you want somebody to throw at Mike Schilt, I suggest bringing Tukey in. He's one they could do it, just not even trying. Uh, I also hate the Cardinals. I hate everything about them. I even hate their logo and their color scheme, which is like just deep and vindictive. And up until, I think today is the first day that Cincinnati has actually leapfrogged uh, St. Louis in the division. So <clears throat> there is still a possibility that the Braves would have to face the Cardinals in round one. And I want them to just go ahead and do it. You know, I don't want them to have to worry about you know, Cardinals being the sixth seed and Braves being the two and then each win their their, uh, individual round and then they face each other in the second series. I want the Braves to face the Cardinals immediately. I want them to get the monkey off of their back. If they beat the Reds, cool. They're supposed to beat the Reds. There's going to be part of this team, even if nobody admits it, that they're going to look at the Cardinals as being the biggest obstacle because of the mental hurdle of 13-1. to So I... Whoever... I hope they just face the Cardinals in the first round. Whether they win or lose, they they need to address that like now. They don't need because if they're facing the Reds and then they find out they have to play with the Cardinals in the second round, then that could throw things out of whack too. So just team is still not perfect. They're good enough to make a run, even even for as weird as the roster has been even as strange as the rotation is right now we saw more good pitching performances in the past week than we've seen all season long I still think there's a chance that this team could make a deep run even for all of the warts even for all of the shortcomings it's just a question of getting everybody back to doing what they're capable of doing and I think that as soon as Acuna starts hitting again and stops just staring at three straight right down the middle of the plate I think as soon as he gets going again, it'll start to pick up for everybody else because as he goes, the team goes. Absolutely, and that's a that's kind of the key thing that you've been able to see in this 
while Ronald Acuna has been struggling, the team has struggled offensively to really do much. Uh, and that, that's just another case in point of how important Ronald Acuna is to this team. I got no doubts he'll figure it back out. He'll Once he gets further and further removed away from fouling that ball off his ankle, he'll get his timing back. And, and once he does, he'll start mashing again. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens for the rest of the season. For the rest of the season, as far as long as the Braves sync up their uh, their their playoff chances and, and sync up home field, as soon as that's able to go, I'm ready to see the young guys uh, get the Braves to the playoffs and, and not put any undue stress on some of these other arms. Uh, we'll see Max again tomorrow. We're recording Thursday, so today for all you guys listening right now. Um, excited to see how Max looks after he's had a little bit of a mental break there. Uh, see what Hamels looks like in his second start because I was encouraged in his first start. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't going to be amazing. He hasn't thrown in a full year, so it's nice to see him get three innings out there. We'll see what happens his next time out. But for us, our next time out, we're going to be hoping that we're able to talk to you about how great Max Fried looks, Ian Anderson off another dominant start, and hopefully we'll see Cole Hamels go a little bit farther than he did this last time, and we'll be able to talk about Ronald Acuna being back to being Ronald Acuna. But for now, we're going to go ahead and end this week's episode because I got things to do. So uh, all those out there listening, thank you all for tuning in. As always, we really do appreciate you all. So thank you all so much. Hopefully you enjoy the episode, and we'll be back next week on the Platinum Sombrero. Okay, thanks. Bye.